3: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. As we move forward on the Wednesday edition, keep in mind, next time you hear us in from the Patriot Awards, we'll have a star-studded roster of guests, Fox-centric, of course, uh, but it'll be great because we salute the people that matter most to the country. This hour, we're going to be joined by the former Vice President of the United States, who probably wants to be president. We'll see for sure. Got a great book out. Read a couple hundred pages last night. Uh, yeah, sensational career. Starting radio. So who knows? I might be vice president one day, too. And then Congress and then governor and then vice president. And I think by any measure, he did a fantastic job, especially in the, on January 6th. So, uh, and by the way, if he comes up early, he's supposed to come in at, or at a half past. But if he comes up early, he's, he said he'll come right on. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's
4: Brian's Big Three. Number three. Director Ray, uh, do you believe that the border is secure? Uh, what I would say is that we see uh, significant criminal threats coming from south of the border, and that contributes to the violent crime crisis here.
3: Christopher Ray, man, what is with that guy? Border's still broken. America's border is a mess. Security is compromised. We are in jeopardy. And leave it to Texas to take action and the FBI to be less than forthcoming. Number two.
5: In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States.
3: And the crowd roars. And uh, President Trump, who is the forty-fifth president, makes it official. He wants to be the forty-seventh president. The speech, to the strategy, the reception, the
6: Republican field.
0: Number one. You really to say whether this missile was fired from Russia?
6: There is preliminary information that contests that. I, 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 it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia.
3: And they can see it from space, so they know. World War Three? nope, but close. As Poland gets hit with rockets, killing two, the question is, who launched it? Was it knocked out of the sky by Ukrainian missile defense, or is Russia looking to distract or test NATO? The latest from Eastern Europe. Look, if this was week one of the war, and we thought Russia was the fighting force that they were billed as, and Zelensky had taken the offer and got out of town like Ghani did. Well, he left with all our money in Afghanistan. Whatever happened to him, by the way? Then I would say, man, they want to dominate. But if you've seen Russia fight, if you've seen how inept they've been uh, and with their leadership, their command, have you seen how antiquated their equipment is? And you've haven't seen what we've seen in them losing on the battlefield, I would say this could be them. But there's no way it's in their interest to start getting Poland involved unless they have a death wish. Now, the first thing they do every time they have a humiliation, for example, when that Crimea bridge blew up, when they blew up the tunnel there that allowed them to arm the Crimea, which they just took from Ukraine, the first time they did that, they were humiliated, so they quickly started rocketing the infrastructure of Ukraine. Now, Kyrgyzstan Falls, the only major city that they've taken from Ukraine, Ukraine takes it back, and then yesterday they've had between 70 and 100 missiles rocketed targeting the infrastructure of the Ukraine. They've knocked down all but 15, according to the Ukrainians. Russian forces conducted the largest set of missile strikes against Ukraine critical infrastructure. One of those missile defense Rockets looks as though it either knocked the Russian rocket there out of the sky or it was missed the Russian rocket, landed in Poland. But it shows you how tenuous this is. But it is worth the risk. You cannot allow a country to steamroll another country that is allied with us, not a member of NATO granted. It's not our dispute directly. Okay. But they want to be westernized, a part of the EU. They want to be part of NATO. Russia wants them back. They have an elected government. They try to overturn it. They push back. They finally flat-out invade, and now they're getting humiliated in front of the world. Every time they fight, they lose a battle. We are finally arming them almost to what they need. Uh, Only if we armed them before, they would have probably wiped out Russia already. Admiral James Stravitas, on what is happening with Russia, their strategy— The nine months into this conflict, cut seven.
1: It looks like now we're circling in on it was Ukrainian using a Russian-made missile, S-300, call sign Grumble. It's got a range of about 100 miles, can go up to 100,000 feet, pretty ubiquitous air defense system. So that makes sense to me as I look at the field here.
3: Ukrainian air defenses had previously shot down 43 cruise missiles in October. This would have been a record, uh, and we got to get them more. And evidently, the sophisticated missile defense system that we have in major cities, but they hit everywhere, where they aim for everywhere, uh, is so good it automatically reloads. So we know exactly what to do, and they've been trained on it already. The G20 was meeting, so the G6 met outside, Russia wasn't there, and they tried to come up with a strategy. Then it became clear it was not a direct attack. So it looks like air defense, and this is uh, one of the dangers of fighting in that area. But the last thing Russia wants, I believe, is to get Poland involved. Poland can fight. And one thing is pretty clear. If you're in NATO, stop with the Russian weapons, the Soviet-era weapons. I don't know why they weren't converted immediately, why that wasn't a program in place. Chris Bedford was on with Laura Ingram last night, executive director of Common Sense Society. Cut ten.
7: Either way, this illustrates the extreme danger of the situation here. For months and months and months, and you've been talking about it, uh, the Biden administration and the European leaders have basically claimed that, don't worry, the adults are in charge. This sort of thing can't escalate out of control, while at the same time putting U.S. advisors and bases and and, and other NATO allies like Poland being right there on the border, right there in a dangerous position. And war gets extremely dangerous. War gets sloppy. People can get hurt. And these things can spin out of control. When they spin out of control with a nuclear power, Well, that's a massive threat. The United States right now is not actually in a position to fight China, a real threat, and and deal with serious war with Russia, which it looks like at some point could possibly be drawn into, despite uh, at least a little bit of restraint shown so far.
3: I also want to bring up the other big big announcement last night, 9 o'clock Eastern time. President of the United States made it clear he's going to run again. Uh, He wants to clear the field. He also wants to get ahead of everybody else. I thought it was a concise could have been more concise, but it was well written speech, I thought he was fine. But just to show you how unfair they to him, if you look at the New York Times Washington Post, they talk about lack of enthusiasm, they look tired and it was meandering. Not really. I mean, come on. He's had meandering speeches where all he's talked about is twenty twenty. Here he did not do any of that. Cut eleven.
5: In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. This will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. Because the only force strong enough to defeat the massive corruption we are up against is you, the American people. It's true.
3: So I think Youngkin's going to get in. I think Ron DeSantis, I would say 80% chance he gets in. I'm not sure he made up his mind yet. I would think 50-50 Pompeo gets in. Uh, Governor Hogan gets in. I think that you will have Mike Pence come in. hes I'm going to ask him directly. He's still, he's still up in the air, but I would imagine he's going to get in. Here's what Ron DeSantis did when asked about some of the disparaging things. His uh, former mentor, the one who helped him get the nomination, the Republican side, and then helped him become governor. And then Ron DeSantis did the rest. Cut 18.
8: When you're, do, when you're leading, when you're getting, getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. All of that's just noise, and really what matters is are you leading, are you getting in front of issues, uh, are you delivering results for people, and are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. Uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night.
3: And he was one of the few Republicans that exceeded expectations and to converted a Hispanic vote uh, in big time. He won in places he wasn't supposed to because he showed that he could win with independents as, well as, uh, as well as Democrats. So listen, this is what it comes down to. You're listening right now. If you're a Republican conservative, you say, yeah, I like Trump. He ran through all of his successes and his focuses and what he did and what he hopes to finish. You go, yeah, I love all that. I, I like him on the world stage, too. I, I like he was a disruptor on the world stage. I like that. But the question you got to ask yourself is not does he have your vote or she, but can you get – can he or she get an independent vote, and can they get a Democratic vote? That's the key because you – one cannot live by Republicans alone. So president's got to show – last night was – it was a good message. But president's got to show that I can reach out to independents. The president's got to show that I can be acceptable to Democrats, and for him specifically – to suburban women. I'll come back. I want to take some of your phone calls about the message last night. We've got a lot of people on Friday and on Monday that were telling us, I moved on from Trump, voted for him twice. I didn't. Keep in mind, if he, in, and I, I think we, we all agree on this, if the President of the United States had just said, I lost the election, I got more votes than anyone else in Republican history, but I lost to Joe Biden. I got huge problems with the, how this pandemic voting took place. Perhaps if the pandemic didn't happen, I run away with this, and perhaps um, the voting is normal and The the, the Vice President Biden doesn't get uh, another 20 million votes that no one expected him to get, the more than Barack Obama got. And everyone knows uh, Joe Biden is a a tenth of talented, a tenth talented as Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. There's a reason why he failed twice in the past to run for president, because he's not a good politician. He's not believable. He's full of it. And, you know, I think he's totally ineffective as as a chief executive. Didn't even want to go to the G20 dinner because he was too tired. Too tired. You got most important leaders in the world. If you can't handle a long trip halfway around the globe, you can't be president. The one thing about this president, the former president, he's got the energy. So is it Vice President Pence? You think they could unite people? Is it Yunkin that you could appeal to others where he won in a purple state? We'll have your thoughts. You don't have to make a decision now. You got seven hundred and twenty plus days to make the decision. But the president made it clear he's in, and he doesn't want you to get in. You're listening to the Brian Me Show where the president of Freedom Fighter is now out on paperback, bestseller already, with the brand-new intelligence and information that you sought after that can make you more uh, more attractive on Thanksgiving. You'll listen to Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Honest commentary, unique opinions no agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade.
9: I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at Fox Business Podcast .com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.
2: He's so busy he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. All
3: right, it's our privilege to bring in a little bit early. I asked the vice president when he left Fox and Friends. Hey, Mr. Vice President, if you have a chance to come up early, we'll do an extra segment. And of course, the man with radio roots said no problem. Waited for the break. <laughs> uh, the former vice president of the United States, uh, Mike Pence, is here. His book is now out as of Tuesday. So help me God, I went through about 200 pages last night, Mr. Uh, Mr. Vice President. I did it on the elliptical. And I downloaded it because I don't know about you. Do you still like to hold a book? Are you okay downloading books on, on your iPad or
12: you know, I I got it it's great to be with you, by the way. Thank, thank you. you. Um and thank you for taking a look at So Help Me God. I'm humbled it's by it. It's really great. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, your career, including your career as an author. Well, <laughs> so thanks. It means a lot. Um I do prefer to hold books. I've got I've got a pretty good collection back home of of books on the shelf that i 've read and and books that i haven 't gotten to yet, uh, including your latest one that 's on my stack to read but i i I, I, I do get them electronically, uh, so help my God is available for download. I actually recorded the audio version myself right but um uh, I'm kind of like you i I like to be holding a book, and when I finish it, yeah.
3: i've got something to hang on to so, for years. so what I do too is to research I download them because I can make notes, and then I could go back to those notes. But for you in particular, you're very similar to the Jared kushner approach uh This is what happened. this is the inside story to the yeah. stories for Thank me you. that I covered but you're proud of what you accomplished with the president. You're very different personalities, but you guys worked well together.
12: Yeah, I, I often would say during those years I would say some some people think we're kind of different. And that almost always <laughs> generated a big round. Of applause. Right, 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 yeah. Um but it was a partnership that worked. Um and uh uh and and the president uh, gave me extraordinary opportunities to serve the country, to represent America uh, around the world, to make the case for our administration around the country, to be involved in the legislative process. I chronicle that, and so help me God. It can, and um, it all came from his, his, our very first conversation when he was considering me to be mm-hmm. his running mate. Um, uh, uh, Karen and I had traveled with our daughter Charlotte to Bedminster, and uh, he and I were out for a round of golf, of course, and he had been peppering me with questions for all eighteen holes, um about how we cut taxes in Indiana and you know, my years in Congress as a conservative leader. But when I asked him, what's the what's your job description for a vice president? Because you know, every four years only one person writes the job description. Yeah. He used one word, active. He said, I, I I want you to be active. I'm I want I want to Take take advantage of your experience right. as a congressman, as a governor, your relationships around the country, and um, and I want to tell you that's uh, that's what we call a promise made, promise kept. I, it was an extraordinary four years, and uh, and while it did not end well, I I I hope people that read so help me God hear how proud I will always be of the record of the Trump Pence administration and my determination to always fight for the agenda that we advance for the American people.
3: So the first thing you do coming off, uh, and obviously you have a career doing this in radio, and then you became a congressman, an impactful congressman. I, and I wasn't
12: as big in radio as you, Brian. Uh, well, you were on your way. I was big in Bedford. <laughs> I was on stations across the state of Indiana. and I love radio. Did radio help you in, no. in, 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 as a communicator in Congress and as vice president? Brian, I think it did. I, I talk about those, those years, and so help me God, because um, I had—, I had tried to get elected to Congress a couple of times when Ronald Reagan was still in the White House. Reagan's the reason I became a Republican. I started in politics as a Democrat youth volunteer. But Ronald Reagan's values, his ideals, his eloquence drew me to the Republican Party. By the way, radio guy, too. Sports he was a radio guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, he absolutely was. But, you know, for me, um, the value of those years on the radio was not learning how to say things it was what I heard talking every day to Hoosiers in my station. My, my radio show was when you on about, about the phones. Yeah, yeah, well, it was, you know, it was I was on I was on about 20 radio stations around the state of Indiana in a lot of small towns. And we'd talk about whatever people were talking about any given day, six days a week. But to hear the wisdom and the goodness and the values uh, and the decency of the people of my state come through Virtually each and every day and every call, it really shaped my confidence in the American people. You don't need a script when you get in front of
3: people because radio, for the most part, we don't have a script right now. So no. <laughs> if someone says, Mike, I need you to say something, I need to introduce you, you get very comfortable without a script. Uh, you have a teleprompter. You can read that, obviously. <laughs> so uh, you become Congress. I, my first memory of you is watching Barack Obama go to the Republican retreat. Mm. And him coming out, what was that like? This this president that you had more experience than he, he's like, had a two-year senator for two years, state senator. How would you describe your relationship with President Obama? You know, I I had only uh, met uh, Barack
12: Obama as a senator in passing during my time in the Congress, and we worked hard to defeat him in that election, in uh, with John McCain. Um, and uh, but in in the aftermath. Um, I was elected conference chairman, and um, I thought it was important that uh, that the president hear from Republicans at the Capitol, and so we invited him to address the House Republican Conference. And I'll never forget it was a it was a signature moment. And as we sit here uh, celebrating the fact that we'll have a new Republican majority in the Congress, a new Republican Speaker. Uh-huh. Uh, in Kevin McCarthy.
3: And Mr. Vice President, why don't we hold that? Because we're up against a heartbreak here. If you got that. And when we come back, we'll talk about that and talk more about your book. It is now out. It's called So Help Me God. Mike Pence, up close and personal about the past, the recent past, his, his long ago past, and his future.
2: information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show
10: all i can say is uh count me out enough is enough i've tried to be helpful vice president pence what they're asking you to do you won't do because you can't so mike mr vice president just hang in there they they said we can count on mike All of us can count on the vice president. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to do the constitutional thing. you got a son who flies F-35s. you got a son-in-law who flies F-18s. They're out there flying so that we can get it right here. There are people dying, to my good friend from Illinois, to make sure we have a chance to argue among ourselves. And when it's over, it is over. It is over.
3: So that's the Senator Lindsey Graham uh, on January 6th, when the pre- vice president refused to leave the Capitol and then went back, they reconvened after the uh, the breach of the perimeter, and then it was time to make the election official, and that was Lindsey Graham. You chronicle that as one of the most moving moments, probably in your career and your life, with your family there, citing your, your son and your son-in-law, and that's all in your book, uh, So Help Me God. Can you bring us back to that moment? It was uh, It's hard to hear it without emotion. Have you heard it since? Um,
12: only once. You know, Lindsey Graham gets it. He's worn the uniform of the United States. He's been a great champion of our armed forces. But in that moment after that tragic day when we reconvened the Senate, um, he spoke those words with uh, my wife, and our daughter, Charlotte, who never left my side that day, in the gallery. Charlotte's husband, Henry, was deployed aboard the USS Nimitz. And uh, when he said those words, I glanced and saw my wife put her arm around Charlotte and hug her. But Lindsey Graham was right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got men and women all over the world wearing the uniform of the United States every day, keeping their oath taking risks without regard to their personal safety so we can get it right here. And um, I'll always be grateful for those words.
3: So what happened is that, that day you go into detail on it and you go that day and you say, I'm not leaving. And, and you trusted yeah. your body man, but you say he was a big guy. You trusted him, but they wanted you to get in the car. And you said, no, I'm not getting in the car because uh, I'll trust you and your word, but you're not driving. So you were concerned if you got in the car, they were going to drive you right out of that garage into somewhere else. And you thought it would be a bad symbol for the country, for the vice president to leave and to be forced out by a mob. At what point did uh, did you feel your security was in jeopardy? And at what point did you hear Hang Mike Pence was being chanted? Well, I have to be honest with you.
12: Um, And I give God the glory. But in that moment, I felt no fear. I was angry. I was angry at what I saw. Uh, people that were rioting in the Capitol building, vandalizing, assaulting police officers. I was filled with indignation as I write in my book. Were we
0: watching
3: that on monitors or did you hear about it later? Well,
12: first in my office just off the Senate floor where uh, where we were holding until we uh, until we walked to the loading dock below the Capitol building. But I just looking at the images, I, I was filled with a sense of not this, not here, not in America. And, um, and I was absolutely determined to be a part of the solution, to do whatever I could, stay at my post and finish our work. And I'll always believe, um, always believe that uh, by God's grace, uh, we did our duty that day under
3: the Constitution and the laws of the United States. And you did. And, and you, you gaveled in. You gaveled in the, the electoral results. Now, the president was uh, pushing. We all know this. It's been chronicled before. It was pushing the whole time. So, Mike, you don't have to do this. There's going to be another sit. There's so much corruption in this election. We can't allow this to happen. Do you believe there was corruption in the election? Were you open? If you saw it, uh, would you have acted differently if you thought this was corrupted? If you thought this was corrupt, if, you, if some of the video that they said was these votes that were made up came true? Uh,
12: Brian, I, I I said on January 6th and in the weeks before that I shared the concern of millions of Americans about voting irregularities that had taken place. I mean, the, the simple fact is that there were states that that changed the rules in the name of Pennsylvania. COVID. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. In fact, in both cases, after the election, the courts would find that changes that were made in the laws were not consistent with state law but I never saw evidence of widespread fraud. I stayed open to it, um, but the evidence would simply never come. But that didn't mean that debating those irregularities lacked value. It's one of the things that I said in my open letter to Congress and the American people on January 6th. I made it clear that I intended to keep my oath, pledge that I'd made to the American people and that ended with a prayer, so help me God, but I also told the Congress and the American people that there was, there was nothing wrong with members of Congress bringing objections and having a debate over voting irregularities and, and any evidence that they might be able to bring forward. I mean disputes over electoral votes under American law are resolved by the elected representatives of the American people, not by one person. Um, and I had said in the days before that I welcome – the debate. I mean, one of the one of the uh, sad aspects of that day, beyond the loss of life, beyond the vandalism and the rioting, was that ultimately, what um, what transpired at the Capitol ended up obscuring uh, what what may well have been a very useful debate over voting irregularities that took place. The Wisconsin Supreme Court actually found that. Uh, that Wisconsin had violated their own state laws, not once, but twice the Supreme Court sequestered some eight thousand uh, ballots in the state of Pennsylvania that had been that had arrived after the deadline for election. Those didn't change the outcome of the election, but for all of us who are concerned about election integrity um that debate was potentially very important, and it could have facilitated what. Fortunately, has been happening in Republican states around the country, and that is election reforms over the last two years.
3: Georgia straightened it out; seems to have. Georgia right, did. Florida straightened right. it out. They Texas. embarrassed the country for two right. or three cycles. Uh, Texas, but you know who didn't? Arizona. I mean, you got to be kidding me! I mean, what are they doing? I mean, it's a week later, we're still counting votes. Why is this? Why is this happening? I can't.
12: I can't figure it. Um, of course, I'm. Um, California's still look, counting. Look, mail-in voting has a long tradition in this country. Absentee balloting, voting in Indiana, but we know how to count the votes. Maybe into the wee hours in the morning, but we, <laughs> virtually every state in the union, yeah. absent those two right now, has found a way to count the votes within the day or day after election day, and that that ought to be the aspiration of uh, of every state in the union.
3: So uh, so that happens after that, and um, and we know the president of the United States has got himself in trouble for how he acted then because Georgia is suing him right now when he took it, the records back to Mar-a-Lago. That, at the very least, I don't care how it turns out, that's that's been a problem since. Had the president said, we lost, I can't figure it out, Mike, uh, let's go call the Bidens and let's bring them through, we'll tour through the House and you get, uh, we'll tour them through the House, you, you take uh, – uh, Uh, Vice President-elect Harris through the observatory. I am and just called it a day and flew out, actually went to the inauguration and flew out. I think his approval rating would be about 60 percent right now. And I think he'd be talking about, hey, Mike, what do you say we go do this again? And you probably wouldn't even be thinking about running for president. Am I assumptions wrong? You know, I think
12: during the disastrous years of the Biden-Harris administration, and it really has been people have come to even more appreciate uh, what President Trump and I accomplished during those years with Republican majorities in the House and Senate in the first two years. I mean, think about it. The largest increased investment in our national defense, the creation of the first branch of our new branch of our armed forces in 70 years. They crushed our, our armed forces, crushed the ISIS caliphate, took down their leader, took out Qasem Soleimani, held the Syrian uh, Dictator Assad responsible for using chemical weapons not once but twice. Russia made no effort to try and redraw international lines. Under our administration, North Korea stopped testing nuclear weapons, stopped firing missiles. We, we, of course. we had we made incredible progress in the Middle East. Bring it home. We cut taxes, roll back regulation. We became a net exporter of energy for the first time in 70 years. Three Supreme Court justices. A new beginning for the right to life in America, following our administration and our appointments, and I think the American people look at this administration that has literally weakened America at home and abroad every single day, and they long to go back to those policies. But I, I will, I will tell you, hindsight uh, is twenty twenty. I, I write candidly, and and so help me God, about my pride in all that we accomplished and how we accomplished it in our administration, my battles. Uh, as a conservative in the House and my service as governor of Indiana and lessons learned along the way. But I do believe in the days ahead, the American people long to get back to what we did, to what we know works. But, but, but I, think, I think they're looking for leadership. Uh, I think they're looking for, for leadership that could unite our country around our highest ideals. Do you think the president could have done a better job uniting, especially as you wrote the book and reflected? Well, I, one of the things I write in the book is – what, what many of the president's critics fail to acknowledge is, in my lifetime, I never saw the level of opposition by the Democrats and most of the national media that we saw uh, to our president and, and to our administration from day one. I recount in So Help Me God uh, being with the president in the Oval Office, his first visit there on our inauguration day in 2017, and we walked back. Uh, to the White House, just the two of us, um, to meet up with our families and go to the inaugural balls. I remember he looked up at the brightly lit side of the White House and he said, Mike, this is, this is, and he paused and I said, it's humbling. And he turned and looked at me and said, that's it, it is, it's humbling. And I said, I said, it is, Mr. President. But I say in the book, at that moment, as we walk back to the White House on the evening of January 20th, 2017, on a stack of newspapers right outside the Oval Office was the Washington Post, the headline of which was the quest to impeach Donald Trump starts today. And it never let up two and a half years of the Russian hoax impeaching the president for a phone call. I mean, the constant berating, the constant
3: uh, you had no, not one day of high five. We made it bouncing on the couches. Let's let's give these guys a shot. Almost not one. In fact, we all know the stories now. The books have been written, a million of them, of uh, the whole Russia thing. They came out of thin air. You had the FBI against you and the whole establishment against you. It's incredible. And now they say, Why, how dare you challenge elections? You guys were challenged every day. Every day, Every He'll, no, the president's an illegitimate president. So, look,
12: I, I, you know, uh, as I said, I've always believed that we did our duty under the Constitution that day for the peaceful transfer of power. Um,. And you've heard much in the national media talking about election deniers and they're entitled to pet But what about Hillary Clinton, who said our election was stolen? Absolutely. Uh, What about uh, all the Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, that spent years saying that Donald Trump was not the legitimate president of the United States, undermining public confidence in our elections? What about Joe Biden uh, calling Georgia's sensible, responsible election reforms Jim Crow 2.0? I mean, look, I I hold the view that it's... uh, uh, it, it is it is time to to put aside this kind of reckless rhetoric across the spectrum, and but in so help me God, I I really try and chronicle what right. we accomplished under unprecedented opposition. And, and you did. You talked day. about
3: some decisions in session should have been asked to step aside as soon as he had any interaction with Russia. It Would have been a lot easier. There would have been no Mueller report. You would have got over in a day because there was no there there. The vice president here uh, is he going to run for president? Uh, What other stories does he have for us in his book that's called So Help Me, God? All those stories and more. The book came out on Tuesday. Pick it up now. Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: How would you handle running against people in your cabinet like Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence?
5: Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run. So we'll see whether or not that turns out to be
7: true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's OK, too.
3: So the that was the president of the United States, Mr. Vice President, uh, who's kind enough to come into the studio. His book is out called So Help Me God. And that was the president a couple of weeks ago. So if you decide to run for president, he would consider that disloyal. How do you feel about that?
12: You know, I think the American people love competition, Brian. <laughs> I really do. The president had every right to make the announcement he made last night. And my family and I will take time to reflect over the holidays uh, on where we might next serve. But, um, you know, we'll go where we're called. You know, I, I write in the book that a friend told me many years ago that there's there's two kinds of people in politics. There's people that are called and people that are driven and honestly, I've been both. I, I write about my early days in politics where I let my ambition overrun uh, what I felt my Christian faith required of me and the way that I carry myself in the public square. But ever since then, ever since Karen and I packed up our three kids, moved back to my hometown to run for Congress 20 years ago,
3: we've just tried to answer the call. To how would you feel about being on the stage with the president trying to run on the same record he has? And when he turns around and says, I'm disloyal, you know how vicious uh, and tough he can be. How would you handle that?
12: Well, you know, if if we entered that race, I can tell you, uh, we'd run the way we've run for the last 20 years. And that is, um, I don't so much run against anybody. I run for things. And I, I really believe in that Bible verse, that says, without a vision, the people perish. And... uh Look, I I I'm very well acquainted with the sharp elbows of politics. I <laughs> endured. But do you remember Christie going after rounds. Rubio, uh
3: the president <laughs> sure. going after Jeb? Sure. And when they go after you, are you you can't ignore it. I haven't seen anyone ignore I've never seen that on the stage ignoring barbs.
12: Well, I I've, I've uh, spent a little bit of time in national debates on national television. So you're not worried about it. And uh look, I I believe that This is an enormously important time in the life of our country.
3: And you think you're a better choice right now than the president?
12: I, The former president? Well, I wouldn't say that about me uh, because we've arrived at no conclusion about what role we'll play. But I think there will be better choices. Um, As I said, I'm incredibly proud of the record of the Trump-Pence administration. And the president has every right uh, to run for election again. But as I've traveled around the country... People stopping me in airports, you know the drill. People recognize you and have a word with you. What, I, what I've heard consistently from people at the grocery store, at the airport, at the gas station is two things. Number one is is can we get it all back? Can we get back to what was working? And number two is they, uh, I think they want to, New leadership that will unite our country around our highest ideals. You know, once you get out of politics, right. and I'm out of politics right now, you you're you're reminded that the, you know the American people actually get along pretty well most days. We we figure it out our and, politics are deeply divided,
3: but but the American people have a have a, a neighborliness that they and respect the thing is, one we another. We'll have a minute left in your radio guy. Just know that if you just get Republican votes, it's only forty percent. You have to find a way to get Democrats and Independents, or you, or Republicans are never going to win.
12: It's true. And look, we have a winning agenda and uh, I'm very confident Republican primary voters will sort it out. And uh, come this Christmas when our our Marine Corps captain comes home, our our lieutenant in the Navy comes home and we have the whole family together. We'll give it prayerful consideration. And but we're going to be a part. Whatever the, whatever the Lord calls us to do in the years ahead, we're going to be a part of helping to win
3: this country And when you back. make that decision, if you want to come back to these microphones, the Brian Kilmeade <laughs> Show is ready for you, Mr. Vice President. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, pick up the book, so help me God.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade.
3: <laughs> Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Appreciate you being here. A lot to discuss. Big meetings last night, big action over in the Ukraine, and so much more, as well as the president of the United States overseas. I still don't have the answer to this. He blew off a dinner with the G20, the most important people in the world, from uh, the the prince of Saudi Arabia to the uh, to the uh, president of China, he said that he was too tired. No, evidently they said he wasn't feeling well or he just retired early. Does he, was he worried he was exposed to COVID-19? Does he have a cold? No. But then when there was this catastrophe in Ukraine and what was going on over there, next thing you know, he's on the phone in a T-shirt. Josh Rogan's going to be with us in a matter of moments. And then Daniel Bailak, uh, a member of the Territorial Defense Force of Ukraine, just met with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three.
4: Director Ray, uh, do you believe that the border is secure? Uh, What I would say is that we see uh, significant criminal threats coming from south of the border, and that contributes to the violent crime crisis here.
3: Yeah, uh, Christopher Ray. would he pro- ever answer, uh, uh, make, answer one question candidly? The border's still broken. American security is still in jeopardy. And leave it to Texas to take action and the FBI to be less than forthcoming. Number two.
5: In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United
3: States. He's back. The 45th president wants to become the 47th president. The speech, the strategy, the reception, the Republican field next.
0: Number one. Too early to say whether this missile was fired from Russia.
6: There is preliminary information that contests that. It's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia.
3: World War Three? nope, but close as Poland gets hit with rockets killing two. The question is, who launched it? Was it knocked out of the sky, the Ukrainian missile defense, or is it Russia looking to distract or test NATO? Let's ask Josh Rogan of the Washington Post. Uh, it's always great to talk to Josh. He's also author of China, uh, Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, Xi, and the Battle for the 21st Century. Josh, welcome back. What are your thoughts about what we heard about yesterday and what we now know? It looks as though it was missile defense in action.
8: Right. Well, good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you know, first of all, I think it, it's a good lesson in sort of waiting before we jump to a lot of conclusions. There's a fog of war and uh, anything's possible in these kinds of situations. N- number two, uh, this is a situation that is getting more and more dangerous. And even if this wasn't the Russian provocation that sparks a retaliation, uh, sooner or later, uh, accidents or intentional uh offenses like this will happen if the war goes on long enough, which is why to me, it seems at least just my humble opinion is that we should do more to help Ukraine win the war. And I think, you know, this feeds right into sort of a very hot debate, as you know, inside Washington, Brian, about whether or not we should keep helping Ukraine f- with the weapons and money it needs to defend itself and win the war or whether or not we should lean on them and, uh, you know, push them to make a deal with Putin that is going to end up in actually extending the conflicts and There are people both on the left and on the right that are pushing for that latter scenario. But again, if you're asking me, it seems like, you know, the clear thing that we have to do is, yeah, sure, have transparency on the money. We need accountability. We can't just send billions of dollars out the door without thinking about what happens next. But if we want to avoid the escalation, we have to win the war. And if Putin wins and Ukraine falls because we didn't support them enough and Putin all of a sudden controls Ukraine, that's going to make Poland less safe. OK, it's not as if if Ukraine falls, Poland gets more safe. No, that actually makes the situation worse because aggressors always expand and be, until they're stopped. And that's what history should have taught us.
3: So the, the, the red part of most maps is Russia taking land from Ukraine, about 15 percent. The blue part of my, the map I was working with this morning and, and most other people on Fox News working with is what Ukraine has taken back. And there's little areas of red, but For the most part, there's a lot of blue in the Kharkiv area and now Kirsan, And now they're on the move. They also blew up the Crimea Bridge. They've shown that they can infiltrate into Moscow and they can outfight the Russians. To me, Josh, the Ukrainians are more determined than ever. And if they could push Russia right out of that country, the message for the next 20, 25 years is, if you want more humiliation, Russia, just do it again. If you want more isolation, go for it again. They have to be told there's no benefit to what they did nine months ago. Do you see it that way?
8: I, well, yeah, I agree with you 100%, actually, because you know why? We tried that before in 2014. The last time Russia invaded Ukraine, we made a deal to give them effective control over a bunch of the country. How did that work out? Did they say, okay, we're happy with 20% of the country and we'll let the 80% live their lives? No, no. They sent 150,000 troops into rape and pillage and murder, and they're raining missiles down on the country as we speak. And you know it's not just about Russia. It's also about China. And I know we're going to get to that, but you know Xi Jinping is looking at Ukraine, and he wants to see who wins. Because if Putin wins, that's a green light for him, and you can be rest assured that Taiwan is next. Now, The thing about us is that, you know, we sit here in America, we're so self-centered, we're so, you know, kind of, uh, you know, solipsistic, we think it's all about us. You know, we're like, oh, if if we tell the Ukrainians to stop fighting, they're going to stop fighting. Well, I'm here to tell you, Americans, that's not true. If you talk to Ukrainians, they're not going to give up. They're not going to surrender. They've seen their family members die. They've seen their country destroyed. They're not going to stop until they win. And so we might as well support them, and we might as well realize that, you know, this is not just about you know, territory. This is about a, a a nation of people fighting for their very survival and that's a thing that's very, very tough to beat, even if you're Putin or Xi Jinping or anyone else.
3: And and so far we know that there was a that bullet was dodged and we'll see. But there's got to be pressure and I love the when Trump did it. We'd put pressure on our neighbors to, to do what they said they were going to do. And and we've got to provide the weaponry, I get it, but if Russia if Germany doesn't want to do that, then provide the aid. Provide the dollars. You know, if they don't want to give up their defense, we'll do something. And and after this, we have to examine uh, what NATO ally is going to be using Soviet era weapons and be a benefit to anyone. They have to modernize just over there. But you write a column that you believe that the Republicans, when they grab the House, could jeopardize this entire operation. I obviously uh, I don't I think most understand the need to fight there. But you believe there's a lot more that don't.
8: Right. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because there are a lot of people in both parties that have real concerns about this money. I mean, $54 billion so far. Now the president is asking for another $38 billion. That's a lot of U.S. taxpayer money. I get that. I think that's also true that the administration hasn't done enough, Um, to be honest, to keep Congress in the loop. they. Won't tell them exactly what the money is going for. There's not a clear strategy I agree. to end this thing. And so I think, the first of all, the Biden people, but also the Democrats in Congress made a big mistake by ignoring these concerns for the first year of the war and saying, oh, well, the Republicans are just going to go along. So first of all, I just want to say that there there are legitimate concerns about this money. That I totally agree with. At the same time, there are a smaller portion of Republicans that uh, just don't want to f- give one more dollar to Ukraine, and I strenuously disagree with that. I think that would be crazy and dangerous, and really, if we did that, you, we would pull, be snatching defeat from the jaws of victory and pulling the rug out from our allies and sing- signaling to the entire world that autocracy is on the march and that uh, our friends are not are not are not our responsibility. So, uh, I think the the leadership, Kevin McCarthy especially, and his team are looking for a way to to add accountability, which is good. But they're also considering maybe cutting the economic aid, which is bad. I don't think they've come to a decision. I think they want to support Ukraine. I think most Republicans actually in Congress want to support Ukraine. Uh, but they're going to have to try to figure out a way to, right. to cobble together, a way to do it, that has more accountability and hopefully not a lot less aid. That's what I think.
3: And Josh Rogan's our guest. Josh, the other thing is we have to replenish our stocks. Well, where's the mission to replenish our stocks? At the same time, uh, Taiwan will write the checks. They'll buy stuff for us. We haven't delivered it. And I don't know if we have it or we've been slow to do it because of provocation problems with China. So you also talk about how EU promised, and I'll to take your worm, your words, robust financial support for Ukraine in 2023. But what about the pledges? The pledges were unfulfilled for the most part in 2022. They have to be called out publicly for this. And let's see them do it. I mean— that, absolutely, th- That would help. So the other thing with China, what do you think about what we know of the readout of the president's meeting with President Xi?
8: Right. So on your point about Europe, absolutely. And you know what? I think the Biden administration needs to pressure Germany to get its act together and to step up its support, because that's what's really going on here. The Biden administration doesn't want to push the Germans because right? they think, oh well, Trump, you know, ruined our relationship with Germany, so we're going to fix it. But what's the point of fixing the relationship with Germany if you can't lean on them to do the right thing when the chips are down, which is right now? Okay, so that's that's my message to the Biden administration on that. You know, when it comes to China, listen, I think the three and a half me- hour meeting was essentially useless. I think that talking is fine, but what came out to me was that how did they talk for three and a half hours and not achieve anything? No progress, no real substance at all, just them telling us what they want us to do and us telling them what we want them to do, and then everyone agreed to disagree, and that's that. So I don't think that's really mostly Joe Biden's fault, to be honest, Brian. I think that's mostly Xi Jinping's fault. I think that he's the one that's running the country that's expanding aggressively, that's repressing its people, that has this crazy economic nationalism and this crazy zero COVID policy, menacing Taiwan, building bases all over the world, hacking us, Influencing our politics, uh, and the Biden administration's responsibility is to do something about that. But they can't do anything because there's nobody on that side that's willing to negotiate or talk or compromise in any real way. So I think it's a real bad sign, to be honest with you. Everyone in Washington is like, "Oh, isn't that great that they met?" And you know, the Biden administration set expectations so low that they were like, "Oh, we talked. Isn't that great?" You know. But what's the? I mean, talking is fine. You know, I'm not saying don't talk. I'm just saying, geez, man. Uh, these guys are getting worse, and our tools for dealing with that are are, are woefully inadequate. At yeah,
3: point. we're never asked about the origins of COVID-19. That uh, too. That would uh, that's something you've been all over. It doesn't even bring Absolutely. it up. Also, we left the tariffs in place that Trump put in place. So how do you get their attention? You start pressuring these corporations to pull the hell out of China. And we get a method to doing this. We we list all the manufacturing bases that are there, and we come up with a strategy to get them out. And the same way they're pressuring corporate America to divest itself from fossil fuels is the same way we should do the thing when it comes to China and tap into the patriotic vein that most of them have.
8: Right, if they have it. I mean, listen, I think the Biden administration has uh, escalated the technology restrictions on China, which is good. The chip, has, the chip stack. The semiconductor yeah. bill. Yeah. That's good. But you're right. The bleeding uh, edge of the China competition is Wall Street, and these are the last people in American society who have power who are rowing in the wrong direction. And why are they doing that? Because they're get, getting paid on the other side.
3: And they want the uh, market.
8: The, yes, be, because they want access to the Chinese market. They want to manage Chinese wealth, and they get paid off of that. Okay, But that's against our national security interest and against our economic interest as well. And here's the thing. They're not getting the benefit on the other side because the Chinese are taking the great leap backwards and they're nationalizing all of their industries. And it's not – eventually you're not going to be able to do business there anyway because they're becoming so screwed up over there. But Wall Street guys, they just want to squeeze the last bit of silver out of this thing before it all goes kaflooey, and that comes at the expense of our security because we need real Mm. markets that have – Integrity, And we need to not put our investor dollars into Chinese companies that are building concentration camps and building the machine that's pointed against us, because that's crazy. And why are we funding the thing that's aimed at us? That's the big problem in U.S. China. I know you're on top of this, Brian, because we've talked about it a bunch of times, but we got to cut off the money spigot that starts in Hong Kong. And then we got to make sure that our businesses are not helping our enemy. Because that's a crazy thing for us to do,
3: Josh. We've we've seen and climate change. I, I think climate. I'm I'm an all of the above energy guy. Like this, uh, this right with this big conservative called Barack Obama was all of the above when it comes to energy. We want to get our, our 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 goal for them is for them to go for more clean energy. But they're still building coal plants at a dizzying rate. They have no plans to stop. At the same time, they're looking the corner of the market on solar panels and electric cars. They're doing all of the above. And we're just playing the sucker for it. But the same way they rallied the general population to go, to go green is the same way they could unite the country by pointing our, our focus on our number one economic and military enemy, China, and about pulling out. That so you could discourage investment in companies that are investing in China, building up our enemy.
8: Right, and not to mention the fact that all of China's climate change—first of all, I agree with everything you said. China's building three times as many coal plants, Brian, as the rest of the world combined, okay? And then they come to the conference and say, oh, isn't it great? We're talking about climate change uh, with John Kerry. Isn't that wonderful? And this is what people don't understand about China: is that they say one thing and then they do the other thing. Okay, that's who Xi Jinping is. He comes to Bali, meets with President Biden, and says, "Of course we want stable relations. Oh no, of course. Why? Why would we attack Taiwan? Why would? Why would we want to change the global world order?" The point is he's lying. He's lying. Okay, they're actually doing all of those things. And when it comes to climate change, listen. You know, the China. It's indicative of the problem of the U.S.-China relationship at a fundamental level because they're happy to work with us as long as we capitulate, as long as we ignore that their silicon yes. factories are, are fun, fueled by coal and <laughs> and stabbed by slaves, by Uyghur forced labor slaves. Okay, so how can we save the earth on the back of Muslim poor slaves? It's That's, that's immoral. It's not strategic. It's not going to work. And what we should be doing is we should be supporting our own uh, renewable energy companies, not sourcing them from a uh, slave labor coal plant fired, You know, it's, it's it's bizarre when you think about it. But this is the problem we have with China is that if we can't cooperate with on them with climate change, what is it that we can really cooperate on them with? And everyone in Washington wants to be like, oh, OK, of course we should get along with China. I'm forgetting along, but not on these terms, not yeah. on the terms where we ignore atrocities right. and, 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 and live as hypocrites. It doesn't work.
3: The successful presidential candidate will unite around China as uh, the enemy and uh, and understand on all, how we're being attacked and how to divest ourselves from that, and understand that about it. And I'll go, I'll go the rest of the way, explain to the American people that if Ukraine goes down, this will be a problem for the next 20 years from Estonia to Georgia to all the Baltic nations, and it'll be a problem for the next generation for your kids. And explain it to people the same way we should have explained how we had to keep Bagram Air Base. Josh Rogan, thanks so much. Anytime. All right, when we come back, I'll take your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. I have uh, Daniel Belak, uh, the Territorial Defense Forces minister of Ukraine, bring us inside that war and what happened yesterday. But let's go now to Nevada, Al, KDWN. Hey, Al, what's in your mind?
9: Hey, uh, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call, uh, Brian. You, uh, I mean, it's been a while since we spoke. Uh, you said something really important here um, uh, about Ron DeSantis bringing in. Uh, the nonpartisan and the Democratic vote. Here in the state of Nevada, we were looking good on the polls. We lost, uh, we didn't get enough of the nonpartisan. We actually lost it by a small percentage. We couldn't bring enough Democrats. And uh, we, we feel, some of us feel that it was a Trump effect that, you know, him about fiddling around, that he's going to run, he's not going to run, uh, kind of ruined our campaigns. And that I think he made a very, very good point that we need a candidate that's going to bring in the nonpartisan vote and the Democrat vote. Yeah. You don't and have a Russia chance with it. Just maybe that man.
3: Well, Axel is such a strong candidate, but he was backed by President Trump. He never, he never ran from Trump, uh, but he, he necessarily need him with his dad so steeped and his name so well known in Nevada. I was shocked. I'm shocked by that final result. He was never trailing. I don't think at any poll over the last six weeks. Are you shocked?
9: Right. I'm totally shocked. And the thing is that a lot of us felt that him and Jim Marchant, the Secretary of State. When they both went up to go talk to um, Donald Trump up north, that's when we felt that we lost the election.
3: Because you flipped the governor's seat, but you didn't flip the Senate seat. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Al. And always love everyone. KDWN. Great station. Back in a moment.
2: show like no other it's brian kilmeade
1: what we ought to focus on assuming this does turn out to be ukrainian air defense is the fact that russia is launching hundreds of missile strikes against critical infrastructure electricity heating all of that another word for that is war crimes we had to be giving the ukrainians more ability to defend themselves against this in the future so that is Admiral It is
3: former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. And, and we thought that it was, uh, there was an intentional strike by Russia into Poland, which would have been suicidal. Uh, between the Poles and NATO acting, they can't handle Ukraine, let well, alone the force of NATO, 30 nations. But yesterday they had 50, uh, 70 missiles at least. ISW said it was about 100. Uh, these are precision-guided missiles. This may be the bulk of what they have. All in one day. They say it is the biggest. Uh, this is... Uh, The largest set of missile strikes against Ukraine since this nine-month war started. They're targeting their infrastructure and killing everyone in their wake. Joining us now is uh, our our great guest, member of the Territorial Defense Forces of Ukraine, former chief investment officer to the prime minister, Daniel Bilak. He joins us now from uh, Ukraine. Uh, Daniel, welcome back.
7: Hey, good to be on your show again, Brian. Thanks Uh, for
3: having me. No problem. So, Daniel, what could you tell us first off about your infrastructure? I heard you took in some significant damage.
7: Yeah, it's uh it 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 was pretty bad. I mean, there's t- uh, up until uh, a couple hours ago there's probably 10 million people that uh, didn't have uh heat water or electricity, uh no power whatsoever. Um, you know, it, 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 there were about 95 or almost 100 uh rockets that were that were launched against us as, as somebody noted one for every point in Zelensky's 10-point peace plan that he put out. Uh, yesterday in Bali, and uh, so that was the Russian response. But um, you know, we've had rolling blackouts uh, for the last couple of uh, uh, weeks, or uh, and um, you know, it was uh, you, they actually had a schedule, but now now it's it, they're they're just doing whatever they can to balance the system. You know, Lviv has only got 30% power. And it's the second largest city in the country.
3: That's amazing because I didn't think there were that much in the line of fire, but I guess they were heavily targeted. Uh, yesterday, So they're going for your infrastructure to try to dispirit you. First off, number one, have they? Number two, do you have the engineers and material in place to reignite your electric grid and everything and, and get the water flowing again?
7: Well, look, you know, they're, they're, they, 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 if, what, it's interesting if you look on a map uh, where everything that was hit yesterday, every, every part of the country was hit except where the battlefield is. And so, I mean, this is pure terrorism, uh, straight and simple. Um, they can't win on the battlefield, so they're they're coming after the civilians. Um, you know, Brian, they're not going to break us. They're not going to break us at all. And uh, you know, we are, we are resilient, we're resistant, and we're resolute. But, but it's not easy. I got to tell you. And you know, I, I got to tell you. Yesterday, I, it sort of hit me that I'm 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 a little bit uh, upset here because you know uh, we get a lot of oh it's really bad we're really sorry we're going to try to help you out i mean i think that our allies in the west should be drawing a red line around this saying dude you're you're, you're creating a humanitarian crisis we're not going to let you do this anymore and there are costs if uh, for, for you doing it we're going to give the Ukrainians everything that they've asked for, that we haven't given them to this point in time. We're, we're going to uh, put even more crushing sanctions on you. We're going to make sure that you don't get one penny from your oil and your gas when you, when you sell it. I mean, it, we really got to up the ante here because he's, he's hitting us basically with impunity. I mean, you know, there are no consequences to, to him, him going after him. He's causing enormous damage to a country the size of France. Um, you know to give you an idea of what of what what the destruction was here like it's it's as if your Florida hurricanes were were hitting you know forty or or fifty percent of the United states uh, in one go um you know that's the impact it's had on 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 the country um you know people were were struggling you asked about the equipment we actually you know this is all soviet central heating and and all old equipment so you know replacement parts you know we, we would have to get them from russia which is not an option so you know ukrainians are creative as i said they're 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 resolute and they're they're resilient we'll we'll put, we'll put the pieces back together we're getting help from our neighbors uh, from the from the former uh, warsaw pact soviet bloc countries that are now part of the eu poland hungary um uh, slovakia and uh but it's not easy, you know. Uh, you, you, it's a big country; There's four million people here. And you gotta, you gotta try to balance the system for it. right. Um, but,
3: yeah. yeah, Daniel. Uh, we also understand that you met with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. How did that go?
7: Well, it was, it was actually a, a, an AmCham, American Chamber of Commerce, Thanksgiving dinner of all things. There were a lot of people there. I did have a chance to chat with her, uh, Ambassador Bridget Brink. Uh, a really really i think America is very very well served by uh by her she she's new here but she really gets it she's tough she's strong um but you know she she doesn't make policy uh brian it's really the administration that makes the policy and you know we what we need at this point uh is is we we've got to get uh, the the anti aircraft stuff that the the weapon systems that we need that we've been asking for. Look, look at the NASAMS. We got this these NASAMS, uh, the American Norwegian anti aircraft and anti rocket systems. They went ten for ten yesterday, Brian. Hundred percent effectiveness, which shows two things: one, that Western assistance uh, and and weapons work, and two, the Ukrainians know how to use them effectively. You know if we had more of those, we we could probably blow everything out of the sky that they're that they're that they're throwing at us. You know they shot a hundred rockets at us, and eighty of which we we killed. So all of this damage was done by by twenty percent of the stuff getting through. You know if we if we had the attackums, the long range missiles, these missiles that they lo- launched at us, they came from the Caspian Sea, they came from the Black Sea. This wow. is like a thousand miles away. Why can't we get the stuff that's going to hit them on our territory in Crimea, in the Black Sea? What what, what are our allies worried about? Escalation?
3: Actually, their explanation to me is insulting. They say, well, if we give them the attackums, they'll be able to reach into Russia and they could escalate this. Well, if you don't trust Ukraine not to do that. Without checking with you first, then why are we even bothering this relationship? Do you have any type of mutual respect there? Just give them something that they can use to be effective. I mean, I, I couldn't well, believe right. that explanation.
7: You're 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 100 right. I mean, and it's we would be insane. We're already attacking the Russians in Russia. We're taking out their, their 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 military bases. We're not attacking civilian infrastructure. We're atta- we're we're taking out the stuff that's on our border. We take out the things that attack us. This is the, these are the laws of war. We are not suicidal. We're not going to go and start bombing cities in Russia. That's insane. We haven't done any of that. We have played by the rules 100%. Whether we take prisoners, whether we where we attack, they are all military targets, and they're on our territory. I mean, we want to be able now to hit them in Mariupol, uh, in, uh, in Crimea. This is sovereign Ukrainian territory. For yeah. crying out loud, give us, give us the stuff that we need to, to take our land back. Let's get this done. Enough is enough. Right. You so know, if we, I, I feel like we're on, a, on life support, you know, that we get a drip feed and we get enough to keep us going rather than giving us what we need to cure us and get us to stand on our feet and take these bastards out. So
3: Daniel, when you have this conversation with uh Secretary of defense or or your accountable or somebody in your government does, do they say that not yet? not quite yet. We'll think about it uh even at this point when you've already proven yourself on the battlefield
7: well we'll we'll find out they're they're having another uh, sort of a funding a weapons funding round today in Ramstein. Uh, and uh, where they're going to uh, talk about what weapons they're going to give. But, I mean, look, you know, anybody who's afraid uh, 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 to—about escalation is is really lost the plot, because, I mean, how much more is he going to escalate? The Americans have told Putin, look, if you go nuclear, we're taking you down. And they backed off. So, I mean, I don't know how much more he's going to escalate other than trying to bomb us into the Stone Age. You know, let us protect ourselves. Give us more anti-rocket, anti-missile stuff, so that we can we can actually uh, uh, protect ourselves. It's proven that it's worth it. You know, Mars have been amazing. They've been absolutely crucial to our taking over the advantage and changing the tide tide of the war. You know, give us the longer-range uh, missiles, the Attackums. The- are you, are the you capable?
3: Are you capable of fighting through the winter?
7: If we have the equipment, we are absolutely capable. Look, we are, we are arming our, our, our people. The entire nation is behind this army. We, I, I work with a, a group called the Ukrainian Freedom Fund. These are former uh, U.S. Marines. Uh, we, are, we have a warm Ukraine campaign going on right now where we're buying uniforms and boots and stuff to keep our troops warm and, uh, and, and, and healthy. And and fighting the Russians, we will prosecute this war through the winter mm. if if we have the the equipment and and our soldiers are are prepared to do it. Uh,
3: Absolutely, Daniel, yeah. We're talking to Daniel Bielak in the Ukraine. Daniel, first off, when we the the fighting, as everybody in know, and people talk about how hard you're fighting and, and what great work you're doing for us, because they are main. Uh, they are a main antagonist, and they need to be stopped. Uh, uh, they're running rough, roughshod over the Middle East, and they were going to do more in Europe if you guys didn't stop them, and you are. A couple of things are happening that I've noted. Number one, he did not—they uh, canceled Vladimir Putin's rambling speech when he takes all questions uh, that he usually does his major town hall. Uh, they canceled it. He obviously didn't go to the G20. So what can you tell us that you're hearing that might be of substance that's happening in Russia—
7: well, look, you know, clearly uh, who who knows, you know, my crystal ball's as good as anyone else's, but I, I, I all I know is that the more that we take it to them on the battlefield, the more things will change inside Russia. They're 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 eating each other right now, obviously, inside. Putin doesn't control, he's not all powerful anymore. He now has unleashed forces that are even worse than he is, uh, uh, that want more war. Uh, But there are other people that are going to be very situational in this. And, uh, you know, look, we have to keep our eye on the ball as Ukraine and as our and and our allies. We need to defeat these people on the ground here. This is a no brainer for the United States. You know, what kind of world do we want? Do we want a world where, you know, you force us to negotiate and Russia stays the same way it is now and just comes back, does even worse stuff? Or do we want to defeat the, the Russians on Ukrainian land, where on Ukrainian territory, where there's no U- U.S. soldiers dying, but, you know, you're, you're, you're giving us assistance that is pretty—I mean, we're giving fantastic assistance, unheard of assistance, but it's a rounding error in the Pentagon budget. I mean, you're never going to get a deal like this again, God forbid. Right. You know, and if, if you if you were to to allow our allies to give us planes and tanks, Germany says they can't give us their tanks because the U.S. won't let them. I mean, I, I don't get that part either. I mean, let's get this done. We can have this done and dusted by by spring now if we get everything that we need
4: gotcha. and
7: if we destroy the Russian army and they're on the back foot. They are they're 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 not. You know, I always say you know they don't have they don't have guts. They don't have guns and they don't have grub. And uh, and they're 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 going to collapse, Brian. They're going to collapse. We see it happening. Uh, We just need to keep whacking them. And the more that we do that, with your help, this will be an American victory. This will be an an, an adversary and the world will an adversary. It it thinks it's at war with the U.S. right now.
3: A couple of things. Well, you, the, the, this administration has a better, have to do a better job explaining it to the American people. They don't even explain to the Republicans and what the big picture is. The same way Bargram keeping Bargram would have benefited us. If you explain to the American people, they would have understood it. Instead, we just pull out and don't give even the American people an understanding of what we're up to and they embarrassed us. If you explain to the American people the bigger picture, we get it, especially by the way you're fighting. The Iraqis fought to a degree. The Afghanis tried to, uh, for a handful or a small portion. But you guys do all the, all we have to do is supply the armaments. I'm 100% on board. But the president's got to do a better job explaining to the American people where the money's going. Daniel Bielak, thanks so much. Hang in there.
7: Thanks very much, Brian. God bless. God bless the people of the United States. Thank you for everything.
3: You got it. Uh, Back in a moment.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's pretty obvious, and all of you have been writing about it, uh, what happened.
10: We underperformed among independents and moderates because their impression of many of the people in our party and leadership roles is that they're involved in chaos. Negativity, uh, excessive uh, attacks, and it it frightened uh, independent and moderate Republican voters, and we saw that, which is why you all recall I never predicted a red wave. We never saw that in a, any of our polling.
3: So uh, that was Mitch McConnell. He says I'm going to be the leader. I have the votes. So just when we have the vote, a lot of people in his party want to wait till after Herschel Walker uh, beats they hope, Reverend Warnock, uh, the Senator Warnock, I should say. So they got $11 million, it's probably up to $13 million now, and Mitch McConnell went ahead and purchased. I don't know why he had to do it. Brian Kemp's uh, get-out-the-vote campaign. Kemp says he's going to help. Ron DeSantis, I assume, will help. Donald Trump will help. But, again, you want to make sure you get everybody voting, and you don't want to do anything that's going to be divisive. And some people love Trump, and some people really don't. But yesterday uh, belonged to him, and uh, he decided to make nine o'clock the night that he was going to seven hundred plus days until the election. Got a whole year and a year and a half, year and two thirds, ready to go. Donald Trump says he is in. Uh, he talked about the things he accomplished, and some of which I think we have forgotten. But the chaos was there. But last night was fine, and this is the unfair part about with President Trump. Nothing wrong with yesterday's message. There's nothing inaccurate about what he was saying. A lot of people want to fact check. No, that's the way he sees it uh, with the border, with the Abraham Accords, with foreign policy. I'll take his foreign policy any day. They break it down in The New York Times today. Any day over Joe Biden's any day from NATO to the Ukraine to Afghanistan, Iraq, any day I would take Trump. But going out of your way to rip him yesterday just shows your bias. And believe me, they're going to do the same thing with DeSantis or Yunkin, whoever emerges, or Mike Pence, whoever emerges. Listen to what Mick Mulvaney says. The former chief of staff is off the Trump train, so to speak. Cut 19.
4: Do you think this is good for the
3: Republican
0: Party? No, I, I don't, because I think he's the only Republican who could lose. Um, if, he run, if he wins in 2024, now he's a candidate, he is the likely Republican nominee. Can he be beaten head-to-head by Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott? Sure, but it's not going to be a head-to-head race. There'll be five or six other people in the race, and he'll get the 35% that really support him. And under the winner-take-all primary system, he'll be the nominee. Um, but that means the 2024 race is not about Joe Biden or whatever Democrat is on the on the ticket, not about inflation, not about world events, not about abortion. It'll be about Donald Trump, the same thing we saw in 2020.
3: So Mick Mulvaney is off, and, and he, I thought he did a great job. At OMB, I thought he was really good chief of staff. When it was time for them to make a change, they went to Mark Meadows. He was fine with that. Was ambassador to Northern Ireland. Never really got his feet underneath him before the administration was done, and he was through. But now he's a critic because of January 6. A lot of them are. Question is, can Donald Trump reconsolidate? So telling people about consolidating the party and getting some moderates and white suburban women to like him again. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, don't forget, check out, go to com. find out where I'll be. I'll be in Myrtle Beach on Saturday. I hope to see everybody there. South Carolina.
2: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, Brian, from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. As the guy with the deep voice said, we bring you the latest hour of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Bill Hemmer is going to be coming into studio at the bottom of the hour. Last week, Shannon Breen was in studio. This week, she's preparing in Washington for Fox News Sunday. So we'll look forward to talking to her. And then we're going to be picking up stakes and going to the Patriot Awards in beautiful Hollywood. Florida, and uh, it is the award show that you can actually enjoy and be motivated and moved by, so hopefully everyone will be watching on Fox Nation, and then hopefully we'll find out what I'm doing there soon, but not only am I doing Fox and Friends and then this show for two straight days, also, I'm going to be doing Gutfeld, as well as One Nation, which is Saturday night at 8 o'clock, so I have a big agenda it's going to be one of those working days in nice. Uh, it's going to be a lot of work and very nice weather, which is a good combination in a casino where I can lose everything ever. And let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three.
4: Director Ray, uh, do you believe that the border is secure? Uh, what I would say is that we see uh, significant criminal threats coming from south of the border. And that contributes to the violent crime crisis here.
3: Uh. Will you ever just answer a question, border still broken, America's security is still in jeopardy, and leave it to Texas to take action and the FBI to be less than forthcoming? Number two.
5: In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States.
3: He's back. The 45th president makes it official, wants to be the 47th president. The speech, the strategy, the reception, the Republican field.
0: Number one. Too really did say whether this missile was fired from Russia.
6: There is preliminary information that contests that. I, 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 it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia.
3: Okay, we know roughly what you meant. World War Three? nope, not cl- uh, but close. As Poland gets hit with rockets killing two, the question, who launched it? Was it knocked out of the sky by Ukrainian missile defense? Uh, Russia looking to distract us? Looking to distract and challenge NATO? What about it? We'll discuss it all. So, Shannon Bream, welcome back.
13: How the heck are you?
3: I'm good. How was your trip it's, here in the election coverage? How did you handle it emotionally?
13: Well, the highlight was clearly being with you. Right. In studio, because it makes a big difference.
3: Right. I think know? it does.
13: Um, and I love that the restraining order was put on hold. Right. temporarily So I could join you there. For, for the good um, of
3: cable news.
13: <laughs> for the good of America um yeah I I don't know if you've had a nap yet. I don't know if you know that the house has yet to been called. I mean there's still races being decided. Have you heard that
3: So nine seats a lot most of them in California yet to be called, but we have uh, uh Kevin Kiley. he's up by about six. I mean what do they expect to happen? It's been a week. where do you think these other votes are?
13: I don't know I mean this is listen we've talked about this that every state, Per the Constitution, every state legislature gets to decide how they want to do this. But you would think that states that have figured it out, like states with millions of people like Florida, maybe that some of the other states could take notes and decide they, they can do their own thing. But maybe in a bipartisan way, they could come look at it and say, like, all right, this is working. Let's do it here.
3: Uh, I tell you, it's just so aggravating uh, because people have to rein it in. Georgia did. Florida fixed it. Uh, New York hasn't really been a problem. Ohio has not been a problem. I go around, but it's saying we're Arizona again, and we're dealing with California, who couldn't even pick their mayor. One city, one city, they can't pick their mayor.
13: Exactly. Um, Yeah. And and, and in the meantime, everything's sort of hanging in the balance. They're going ahead and having leadership elections here uh, in the House, and it looks like, you know, they're barreling towards that in the Senate, too. So um, Washington's not waiting to find out. They're just moving forward.
3: All right. So it does look like, from your sources, that Kevin McCarthy's got about 180 plus votes, but doesn't he need 218? Why are we assuming that he's going to get it?
13: Well, I think the main thing is there's no one else as that secondary choice. I mean, when this happened in the past and kind of Paul Ryan stepped up, everybody coalesced around him as the good backup decision and ended up being a you know, very powerful Speaker of the House, I think because there's not somebody who's a dominant challenger or an obvious second choice um, to McCarthy, that's hugely to his benefit. But these you know Freedom Caucus members and other conservatives who think he's not conservative enough and he's not listening to them, there are some of them who are saying, like, I will never vote for him. Now, does he get any Democrat votes? He says he's not going to go and actively um, seek any of them. Um, but he's going to have to sit down with the Freedom Caucus folks and figure this out.
3: So um, I want to talk about President Trump's announcement. And I looked at it. I said it was pretty it was pretty to the point. It was it was direct. Now he's ready to go. And next thing I know, I'm reading The Washington Post, The New York Times. He looked tired. The applause was stilted. They, they wouldn't react quick enough. No one knew how to go. Uh, there was no air of excitement. Excuse me. It was an Eric side. It was like 2,000 people in a ballroom. They were pretty pumped up. You know, it wasn't the star-studded Republican event. It was Mike Lindell, the Devin Nunes, uh, Russ Vote. There was Cash Patel. Uh, there was Matt Whitlock. Um, so, okay. A Whitaker, excuse me. So I thought it was a good announcement. This is an example, I think, and I'll play a cut from it, of people going out of their way to criticize him, which makes people say to themselves, uh, I'm not going to listen to a word they say. Here's the president. Cut 11. Mm-hmm.
5: In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. This will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. Because the only force strong enough to defeat the massive corruption we are up against is you, the American people. That's true.
3: So he went out and he rattled off, didn't bring up 2020. He rattled off things that they did and what's gone wrong in his view. And I think he's right in almost all of it. Reminded me of some of it. And then he's ready to go. All right. You want to talk about the timing? That's debatable. You want to uh, talk about whether he should be run again? Let's debate it. But there was nothing wrong with last night. I didn't think that they had to go out of their way to rip him.
13: Well, but they're going to. I mean, if he had been screaming and walking around the stage and, and, you know, some of his more hyped up rallies that he's had, they would have said he's frenetic. He's out of control. Yeah. He's You know, so if he tries to take this measured approach, which is not generally his style, um, it was very disciplined. Um, it was, like you said, um, focusing on what he had done and not going back and really getting you know, 2020. Um, to them, that's, quote, boring Trump. You know, then, oh, there's something wrong. There's low energy. Um, and he took some hits from people on the Republican side who don't like him either and was like, he just didn't have his A game. Um, I, listen, whether he was hyper and doing cartwheels across the stage or he was being disciplined and subdued, he's going to have critics. Either way, they're going to say it wasn't a good night for him.
3: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so Mike Pence knows it. Mike Pence was here and Talked about the president of the United States running. I think he's running. He's got his book out. Mm -hmm. Here's what he said. And think about how tight they were that led him to this. Cut 20.
12: And I think it's time that, uh, that we had leadership in this country that reflected that commitment to respect for every American. So just listening to
3: you, you wouldn't vote for him. Well, I just I honestly believe that we're going to have better choices. So he looks like he'll be on that stage. Youngkin, I bet you Youngkin's going to be on that stage. Mike DeSantis might be on that stage.
13: Mike DeSantis.
3: Ron, excuse me. right? Uh, Ron DeSantis <laughs> so might. I like,
13: maybe there's someone I don't know about. Right.
3: There's a Mike. Maybe
13: he's got a twin brother.
3: Well, well actually, Mike uh, Pence does have a brother, Greg, older brother, but that yes, doesn't but, really apply but here. Mike
13: Pompeo. I mean, yes. there are a lot of, yeah. So your, your
3: thoughts about DeSantis, and when do you think traditionally someone would have to announce if they want to get financing on a staff?
13: Any other announcement from anybody is going to be in the next year. I mean, I think it'll be in 2023, not this year. The interesting thing is, you know, some of these candidates that are so people are so white hot on them until they actually get in. And I think DeSantis, if he does it, it's going to be very interesting. His press people do not play. And they also keep him pretty much within friendly places, I think. Um, We've requested him a number of times on Fox News Sunday. I hope that he will come at some point. Um, But I think that they... um, are very careful in where they send him right now, because the minute he's actually running in earnest, if he does, you know, the questioning gets more pointed and more difficult. And the attacks from the Trump campaign will be more pointed and more difficult. Um, So I think, you know, the earlier you get in at this point, um, you're going to be spending a lot of money and a lot of political capital. And, you know, he was just, for DeSantis, reelected governor of Florida. And I think the people there want to see that he's still committed to them. Although you heard them chanting two more years at his election party, as if many of them would support him running
3: yeah very interesting i'm going to pass forward to the border if i can here's christopher Mm -hmm. ray yesterday taking questions from congressman bishop cut 29
4: director ray Ray. Uh, do you believe that the border is secure well i can only speak to border security from our narrow lane but but i can't speak to it from that lane uh what i would say is that we see uh significant criminal threats coming from south of the border uh whether it's guns drugs uh, money, violence. We see transnational criminal organizations uh, that are sending their drugs here and that are using street gangs here to distribute it, and that contributes to the violent crime crisis here.
3: So no doubt about it, he doesn't just say that it's a problem because he knows it's a politically volatile thing. But if mm-hmm. he, if Christopher Ray ever went out of his way, to do some interviews and talk about the security, our security's in jeopardy because that border is wide open. He would help his cause, help his people, and help his country. Is it possible for him to do that?
13: Well, they've got to focus on the pro-life protesters, Brian. Yeah. So they, they've got to focus their
3: yeah, they, efforts in yeah, There places. might be a school board out of control.
13: Right. Well, listen, the FBI is powerful. It's fully staffed. They can do a lot of things. They can handle a lot of crises. The border is a crisis. And if we, you know, every month we get these reports of people who do come across that are on part of the terror watch list, or they are a known, you know, gang member, all the things that, you know, were a part of that soundbite. I mean, we know that there are issues there. Any sentient, honest human being knows that there are problems there. Um, This gets us back to Mayorkas as well. There are a lot of people in the House that say he's going to be called up. We're going to impeach him. We'll see if they do that. We've asked the White House. Let us talk to Secretary Marcus. Let's let us sit down with him and talk about what's going on there. I mean, the head of CBP was kind of forced out. Um, he was forced out um, just days ago, and maybe they think, okay, that's you know, uh, that's, that's one enough. person to take the fall. That's not enough. I mean, the numbers for October are astounding, and so there. there it's just completely divorced from reality if you don't see the threat at the border
3: absolutely so who how are you going to cover this this weekend or are you do you know
13: Um, well, we have asked the White House if Secretary Marcus will come on. And if he does, then we got a lot to talk about with the border. Um, but I think there are going to be a lot of foreign policy things. they have got all this internal stuff that the party is fighting with each other and within themselves about these leadership posts. So um, I think there are a lot of threads. So we'll keep you covered. I can tell you that we have a special guest already agreed to join the cast of thousands. Britt Hume is coming to give us his take on where the country goes.
3: Moving forward. Nice. Uh, I will say this. It looks like the Republicans lost a partner in Arizona because if uh, the Democrat does in fact win, you wonder if they're going to just take up those shipping containers that have been a basically makeshift wall mm-hmm. and been so effective. Uh, meanwhile, Governor Abbott has, has got a plan. He's going to deploy the National Guard. He's going to deploy the Texas Department of Public Safety. He's going to build his own border wall in multiple counties on the border, deploy gunboats to secure the border, designate the Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorists. He's moving. I wonder if Arizona is just going to let all hell break loose because Senator Kelly all of a sudden got tough at the border when Mm -hmm. he realized his election was in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if he's going to do it after.
13: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could see Greg Abbott, as you just said, just newly reelected. Um, he feels like he's got a mandate from his people there and from his, you know, folks who said, yeah, our border is a mess. We've talked to Henry Cuellar and many other Democrats. There are localities, mayors, sheriffs who say it's a complete disaster. Um, and the governor says he's going to do what he, he can. He's going to throw everything at it to help them. Does that now drive all the traffic to Arizona? If so, they're going to have to deal with a, an influx beyond what they're already getting.
3: Shannon, thanks so much. With Brit Hume, you don't need anything else. I hate to tell you. I mean,
13: maybe just an hour with Britt. Thoughts with Britt. Yeah, Thoughts like with Britt. I watch that. Yeah. I want to talk to Britt for an hour.
3: Absolutely. I mean, he'll okay. get his. We'll see it'll, what happens. it'll also save money in the budget, the satellite budget. You'll get him in exactly. studio. Exactly.
13: Exactly. Go get All him, right, Shannon. Brian. Watch have
3: Fox News Sunday. Bye. Uh, meanwhile, when we come back, your phone calls, then Bill Hemmer at the bottom of the hour, which we could probably take phone calls with Bill, or we might find out if there's more to know. 408 7669.
2: Learning something new every day. On the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
1: How if many may, have been released into the United States,
2: Congresswoman? If I may, because
5: you are mistaken, factually mistaken.
1: So your data is incorrect.
5: No, no, you are um, you are misunderstanding our data. No, if I.
1: Okay, I'm going to reclaim my time because based on the information from your website, from your website, from your department, officially there have been, of all those encounters, 1.4 million, and that's a conservative number. Today, in fiscal year 22, you have now released over 1.4 million illegals into the United States. And my question to you now is, can you guarantee that none of those people have criminal records?
5: This enforcement work is not fun, Congresswoman. This is a noble profession in which people risk their lives to conduct it. And you know that very well. All
1: the righteous indignation. Here we go. Just to clarify as a final question, you with all of this data that has been presented based on your own department's releases, you still believe that the border is secure?
5: Uh, Congresswoman, uh, we remain committed to enhancing the security of our border every single day.
1: That's not an answer.
3: And It is, and Kate Kamak uh, calling him out, just like we want to do every day. Mayorkas is an embarrassment. This administration has totally dropped the border, and guess what? They have not been held to pay the price. Bruce, listen to WSB in New York, Pennsylvania. Hey, Bruce.
10: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a point I want to make, and then I have one quick question. You can take me off the air when you answer my question. Um, the point I wanted to make is I canvassed hundreds of people here, for uh, Dr. Oz and Mastriano um, before the election, of course, door to door. And some of the people said, well, We have a problem with the carpetbagger here uh, from New Jersey. I said, "Yeah, I guess, I guess so." But unfor- you're just not like the people in New York State who love the carpetbagger from Arkansas called Hillary Clinton. That shut them up quick on that point because um, they didn't seem to have that bias that you do. Another one is somebody said, and this happened a few times. Well, what about inflation? It's terrible. The government spending is causing terrible inflation. And, I, and they said, no, the government's not the cause of inflation. It's the big businesses. It's as if the businesses got all of a sudden greedy in the oh, last wow. two years and started to raise their prices. So, in my opinion, there was no chance. No candidate could possibly have won Pennsylvania, a, a, a Democrat has to win Pennsylvania from now on. Well, out, how did Pat Toomey
3: so- win? How did Pat Toomey win? And there's, more, and there's more Republicans, registered Republicans, than Democrats. It's growing. It was, yeah. it was definitely winnable. Mastriano was a dead weight. He didn't try. He was an intelligent guy. I'm sure he was a fine interview, but he didn't want to do interviews. He didn't want to do anything. He raised $300,000 and Trump didn't give him anything. They picked the wrong guy and it weighed down the ticket. I thought Dr. Oz was fine. Uh, man, was he qualified? Roger in Tennessee. Hey, Roger.
14: How you doing? Hey, uh, I know there's plenty of blame to go around about the midterms. Yep. But even if even if a Republican president or a Democrat president, even though those guys get elected, they still have to go through the House and the Senate. Those guys hold too much power. They do what they want. They undercut the American president. Who got all the votes and got into office? If they have the power like they did before, Paul Ryan can do it. Mitch McConnell hates Trump. He can do it. He doesn't have to bring a vote to the floor. He can allocate money like he did up in Alaska with Murkowski when a Republican was already going to win. Unless the Republicans come together as a team, including the governors who could have changed the voting rules in Arizona, but didn't. Who can, could change the voting rules because 30 states have high house, state houses that control the voting rules? It's terrible.
3: Uh, and just forget about signature match. We need ID. That's what we need, and no more ballot harvesting. Can we agree on some of these universalities, and then let? And then let the stage decide, I hope. Bill Hammer next, Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
5: Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run, so we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's okay, too.
3: So that was the President of the United States, Mr. Vice President, uh, who's kind enough to come into the studio. His book is out called So Help Me God. And that was the president a couple of weeks ago. So if you decide to run for president, he would consider that disloyal. How do you feel about that?
12: You know, I think the American people love competition, Brian. (laughs) I really do. The president had every right to make the announcement he made
3: last night. And you think you're a better choice right now than the president? I, The former president? Well,
12: I wouldn't say that about me. Um, because we've arrived at no conclusion about what role we'll play. But I think there
3: will be better choices. That is uh, Mike Pence. A couple hours ago, Bill Hemmer here, just fresh off the air. Hey, brother. America's in his
11: room. Uh, Bill, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Was that on TV this morning? Was radio. that on Radio. That was yeah. on radio. He okay. came up here. So he's been consistent in that comment then. Yeah. He's pretty consistent. He thinks there's better choices. He thinks America needs to come Did he together. say there will be more choices or better choices? Better choices. Uh-huh. I think he's running mm-hmm.
3: unless money's an issue and he finds himself with absolutely no donors. You know, money's a big thing, but he also said on the couch today that money's not going to be a defining issue that they, they won with less. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. What,
11: what's the stage look like for that first debate? Can you, can you, By lighter, the way, do you think can, you,
3: you would do it? Do what? Uh, we'll do Have you, do you think you'll do oh, a, debate?
11: a debate? I, I it's, it's always possible. I'd be the first one. Have you one done to, it before? Yes. For us? A couple of times. Then we're Cleveland, Ohio. Um, presidential. And Des Moines, Iowa. No Republican primary. Oh. Never okay. a presidential. That was exciting, right? With what? Trump in the middle? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> My God. I always tell people that's the night the world changed. Right. I kind of, right? I kind of feel like it changed again in the last 24 hours, and we can talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things. So,
3: who's yes, on so. the debate stage? I'll answer your question. Yeah. Tell me if you uh, tell me when I hit, hit a, a candidate where you think I'm wrong, tell me.
11: Uh, what's the over-under? Is it eight or 10? I think it's eight max. Really?
3: Okay. It depends if a Rubio and Cruz get in, who have done it before, might you? Have Fair. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Trump, Yunkin. Uh, Pompeo, Mike Pence, Hogan, uh, uh, Hogan, and there's another moderate out there that I think will run. Name will lose me right now. Uh DeSantis? I am not sure about DeSantis. I would say 80%. Wow. 44 years old. And if he sees Trump in there just tearing people up, he might think to himself, why don't I just wait? Very interesting. Is that your view or is that what you're hearing? I don't think he's committed yet. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure uh, my sources are correct. I mean, everybody I know in his world— I don't think he's committed to running it, but it'll wow. be in January. Okay,
11: all right. I, I agree with you on Youngkin, Pompeo, Trump. I don't know about Larry Hogan. Oh, Sununu. I bet you Sununu gets him. <sighs> maybe. Maybe as a dark horse. But of those, who takes down him? Youngkin could. You think? Here's why. <clears throat> Not necessarily. If he
3: He can't come out like the... He's, no one's, he's not going to surprise anyone anymore, the president. Yoga is extremely bright. And the thing is, Republicans have gotten street smart. They're going to look for someone, not that necessarily they like, the one that can win. This is what I'm hearing. You can't win. Too many people hate
11: him. Too many well, people the hate him. Well, DeSantis has to be back on the stage that we just described. But if, not, if you can't make him get on the yeah, stage. Okay, fair. Listen, uh, the reason why am is the other. Okay. The reason I'm asking you this is because I, I have not been able to game this out just yet. I, I'm, I'm really yeah. not quite sure where it goes. If you were to tell me in, on the stage in August of 2015 that it was going to go the way it did, I would have said, you're crazy. Yeah. All right? And so it just, unf- you know, every layer peeled off one at a time. The story was revealed for us. And in the end, it became obvious. Oh, yeah, I, I, I see it. Oh, yeah. So he's the guy. But I don't think it was obvious to a lot of people until the New Hampshire primary took place. Yeah. Think about that stretch of time, right? You know, August of 2015. Now you're deep into the winter of 2016. You've already been through the battle in Iowa. Cruz wins. Trump comes in second place. But a distant second, like four po- I shouldn't say, four points behind, all right? Then you go to New Hampshire and he wins every county. And then we went to the, we went to the Northeast primary in the in the winter the spring of 2016 and I do believe that Trump won every county over a 6 or 7 state area in the Northeast except for one and that was Manhattan on the island here right. in New York City and John Kasich had won uh, that district right. and that district is where Trump Tower was located so the old irony of all that entire night is how Trump runs the table. Yeah. It becomes apparent to all of us looking at that map that Trump's going to be the guy. And he won everywhere except for his right. his own city block. And Casey just sat in there and just sat in there and said, well, I'm so all right. The reason I'm asking that, because I, I think everybody's just digesting this right now, Brian. And it, there's an open question as to how it unfolds, how it develops. I think the points you made are, are quite valid. It's not... He's not the new kid on the block. So how do you manage it? How do you beat him?
3: Can you beat him? So listen to what Mick Mulvaney said. I was pretty stunned by this, but I guess he gamed this out. He did game it out. So um, Mick Mulvaney weighed in. You know, he was the OMB director and his former chief of staff. A
11: very fast talker, by the way, too.
3: Right. I'm not against that. (laughs) Do you think this is good for the Republican Party?
0: No, I I don't, because I think he's the only Republican who could lose. Um, If he he wins in 2024, now he's a candidate, he is the likely Republican nominee. Can he be beaten head-to-head by Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott? Sure, but it's not going to be a head-to-head race. There'll be five or six other people in the race, and he'll get the 35% that really support him, and under the winner-take-all primary system, he'll be the nominee. Um, but that means the 2024 race is not about Joe Biden or whatever Democrat is on the, on the ticket, not about inflation, not about world events, not about abortion. It'll be about Donald Trump, the same thing we saw in 2020.
3: He says he's going to, in a big field, he wins. Hmm. Trump. Yeah. Tim Scott does not get in if Trump's in. No, Why? Way. I just don't see it there. Do you know that? I feel that way. Okay. And I don't, do I know anything for sure? People can, could not be telling me the truth.
11: Yeah. You know, I get it. And things change. Yeah. And speaking of things changing, Brian, I think there's a lot of serious things happening in the world today. A lot of these headlines are significant. Uh, there's war in Eastern Europe that a lot of people are wondering, where is this headed? Uh, it's a long way from a conclusion. Inflation's a mess, all right? You got questions about gas in the economy? All right, I get it. We just came through a midterm that shocked everybody. Didn't it turn out the way people thought? Who knows what happens over the next 24 months? As serious as the headlines could be right now, it could be much more serious. What if Beijing makes a move? And right? just what, does what, what they did in Hong Kong, what, what, just hap- take it. What happens then, you know? And then how does Joe Biden look and appear as a commander-in-chief? Is he stronger? Is he more serious about it? Or do people discount his his credibility as commander in chief? But how, how could you discount well, it any more than Afghanistan? Well, I mean after the midterm vote last week, you have to ask yourself, right? So if the world becomes more serious, maybe someone like Trump is now seen in a different light. Maybe he continues to remind people of his record as president before COVID hit. They think, you know what? Okay. And, and maybe he's, he, he has the ability to change. We've seen this. He can morph into different people. He can do it again that way and become a much more serious person. A lot of people think this event last night was sleepy. All right. It might've been, I didn't watch the whole thing, Um, but maybe that was his way of taking the tone down. I don't know. We'll see if it continues, but if, if we're if we're debating more serious issues than we have today, maybe someone like DeSantis is more appealing for the Republican Party. Yeah, DeSantis would... being rocked because he doesn't have a sense of humor that he smiles. Well, maybe the times over the next two years change in a way where you demand a more serious candidate. Right. I would say a couple of things. There's nothing wrong with Trump's address last night. And They said
3: he was crisp. He didn't talk about 2020. He mentioned Herschel Walker. It was him being him. He didn't look tired. It wasn't sleepy. It wasn't wasn't insane. It was good. I mean, here's an example. So this is to me. I want to see him like that was a solid address. They're right. He's sleepy. He's done. It's boring. I'm like, excuse me. He does enough wrong. You don't have to go out of your way to just to go out and take shots at him. Still, we're still doing this. Here he is. Yesterday, Cut 12. I will ensure that
5: Joe Biden does not receive four more years in 2020. 2020- Canter. Our country could not take that. And I say that not in laughter. I say that in tears. Our country could not take four more years. It can only take so much.
3: And he ran through some of his accomplishments, which reminded people, I'll take his foreign policy any day. I'll take what he was doing. Uh, You know, I don't think that Donald Trump would have called an early night if he had a chance to meet with the G20. I mean, he lived for stuff like that. Mm, yeah. I mean, what did Joe Biden saying, I can't do the job. If it turns out he was just tired and didn't have COVID, I mean, then he wakes up and has to
11: handle the Ukrainian crisis. Mm, yeah, I don't know what was going on. I don't know why he skipped the dinner. Will it, we find it, out? I, I don't think we will. You know, I, I was talking to Dana about this yesterday. She's like, every world leader doesn't want to go to that dinner. They just, it, it, they find it boring. It's, it's the ultimate, it, sorry, it's the conclusion of the event. They want to skip it. and He found a way to do it. I don't know. Maybe he was dealing with Ukraine at the time. I don't know what the answer is. Martha's got a theory that, that he didn't want to be in the same room with MBS again. All right. All right. that Okay. That, that might fly as well. But back to Trump. If you want to win in a general election, we saw what happened in 2020. There were a lot of Republicans who would not vote for him. That's what I'm saying. And those same Republicans aren't going to vote for him next time. I know he increased his vote total by 10 or 11 million votes, but there are some Republicans who simply will never vote for Donald Trump. And they may have done it in 2016, but they did not do it again in 2020. That's a problem for him.
3: Right. Uh, So last night you you talked about Ukraine. Ukraine. So we see that missile defense might have knocked a uh, rocket out, a Russian rocket out of the sky and something killed two uh, Polish farmers. Here's Joe Biden. Cut one.
0: It's too early to say whether this missile was fired from Russia.
6: There is preliminary information that contests that. I don't want to say that till we completely investigate. But it, it is uh, I, 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 it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia.
3: So they hit mm-hmm. between 70 and 100 uh, precision-guided missiles yesterday. It was the biggest attack, uh, rocket attack since uh, nine months have been since nine months have passed in this war, and they're aiming at the, in, the Ukrainian infrastructure. We was just speaking to one of the uh, ministers over there. that's definitely affected to severe damage to their infrastructure, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Uh, rolling yeah. blackouts. Uh, we know heat's going to be an issue soon. So when you say it's concerning,
11: why? Um, many things here. First of all, um, given the barrage that you just described, it could very well have been an errant Ukrainian missile or rocket. I, I, I think that's option A. Option B, however, is um, the Ukrainians want to be part of the inspection. So that crossed around seven thirty Eastern Time earlier today. Um, which okay, yeah, I, I buy the argument there, right? So. All the NATO leaders, and President Biden's one of them, and they're all suggesting that this was an errant Ukrainian missile, and it might have been, but now we have to prove it. So the Ukrainians want to inspect, all right? So two hours after that happened, the Polish president came out and said, we will allow the Ukrainians to be a part of this investigation they want, so long as the Poles and the U.S. are part of it too. Now, isn't that interesting? Because the Poles and the U.S., they want to be there so that all three parties have the same story. You yeah. would you would not want the Ukrainians to go to this inspection and come out w- yeah, with so their own story I. and say, "Hey, this is Putin," because then we got real problems here, Brian. So, uh, so if you did a trio investigation and came out and said, "Yep, um, look, man, there were a lot, there, there were a lot of, there was a lot of incoming. Uh, this one went offline, and um, yeah, we go back to the war. If, however, the conclusion is different, and you've got sides that are pushing." Against what the Poles and the US and the rest of NATO are saying, we got another problem here. Yeah. Because, Brian, did, did, if that's the case, did we just say to Putin, hey man, you got one strike? Right. And I really hope that's not what's happening behind the scenes. I will say this they have uh, their standing
3: army's been terrible, their commanders are awful, their equipment's outdated, and even Vladimir Putin, not only did he not attend the G20, His foreign secretary seems to be ill. And number two is he cut off his marathon town hall that he's uh, he cut that off yesterday. He didn't do it. It's not rescheduled. There's trouble in Moscow, which is anything but paradise. Bill Hemmer, one more block, and then we're through. Don't move, Bill. Brian Kilmeade show.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Do you think you will have the votes by
14: January to become speaker?
9: Yes, if you look at the last two speakers, uh, Paul Ryan,
3: he had at this time had... 43 lost 43 votes. Nancy Pelosi
0: had 32 votes and no one was running against her at that time. Look, we have our work cut out for us. We've got to have a small majority. We've got to listen to everybody in our conference.
14: Try to get to
1: 218. Do you want Democrats
0: to try to support you? No, we're, we're the majority as Republicans. We'll get there as
8: Republicans.
3: And and Kevin McCarthy, that's yesterday, he, he's not there yet, he's about 180-something, and he's, well, by, by the way, he doesn't officially have the majority yet, but I think Kevin Kylie is up by about six or seven points, yep. right?
11: Yep, that's California. I'm with Bill
3: Hemmers here. Yep.
11: How you doing, Brian? So, Bill, there's nine <laughs> seats open? Um, whos it nine, is it 13? Kylie's just, I mean, he's been up by eight points yeah. for five days. And so what's the problem? I don't know. You don't know? I can't figure it out. Right. But I do know what the law is in California. Hang on. If you're receiving mail-in ballots, they have to be received no later than the next 30 days? That can't be right. By December 9th, state law requires them to report to the Secretary of State. December, so they yes. they have until December 9th if they're going to continue to count ballots. Can I tell you something? I mean, I'm into this stuff because... that's what we do on election night. David Valadeo is a Republican. He voted for impeaching Trump. Uh, He's running in a new congressional district in California. It's favored toward Democrats. He's one of 10 that voted to impeach Trump. Only two are left in office right now. Dan Crenshaw, Dave Crenshaw won in Washington state. So he's going back to Washington. And Valadeo is on the verge of winning also. But the estimated vote in his district, Brian, has been 54% since friday of last week so what's going on no clue <laughs> there's there's there, uh, part of that district is in kern county k-e-r-n right. and apparently one of the machines doesn't work but why you can't figure that out by now i don't know it should not take this long i believe it's bad for democracy carrie lake is considering protesting her loss They're going back
3: and forth with her experts. Does she have a real case from what you know of Maricopa County and those machines? I think
11: she might get a recount. That's what she's been pushing for. I don't know. It's really hard to overturn a result, period. And history proves that. Lauren Bobert in uh, Colorado, she was losing for most of the night. Sorry, I apologize. You're thinking Colbert. Uh, Colbert. (laughs) I, I think she wins. You mentioned Kevin Kiley in California 3. I think he wins. David Valadeo, pretty strong. I don't know if he wins, but Mike Garcia in California 27, north of L.A., he's gonna win. Republican? Yeah, and he's he's been uh, he's been ahead by whew, close to 10 points now for almost a week. And why the AP doesn't? I I don't know. They obviously must see something within a certain precinct in some corner of that district that says. Hang on, folks. Do you know who's going to be on tomorrow on your show? No clue. Right. But you'll, you know when you're going to be on. Yes. And that is? Uh, 9 to 11 Eastern Time. Tell a million people we take all right. viewers. Absolutely. It's a great show. Who's going to be your co-host? Uh, Dana Perino, live from the Patriot Games. Patriot Awards.
4: Awards, too. Right. Patriot
11: Florida. Games. <laughs> what are you talking about? Does he?